Las Vegas, Nevada, formerly of one of our favorites, American Head Charge. We welcome Mr. Ted Hallows. How you doing, Ted? Great, guys. How are you doing? We're good. We're uh, we're whereabouts in Vegas are you? Uh, down by the south side, uh, not far from uh, Mandalay Bay. You know, I can see the uh, new Allegiant Stadium from my window here. That's not a bad view. Right. The Raiders mega billionaire complex. Exactly. Two billion, three years, and no one can go inside yet. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Two billion, the doors are locked. I was just in Los Angeles three days ago and saw the new Rams stadium, and it's like, wow, imagine paying that bill and no one's coming in to uh, pay you. Right, yeah, that stadium looks awesome too. Allegiant Stadium, it's a beautiful building, and they name it after one of the shittiest airlines. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to have the uh, UNLV Rebels play there soon. Um, this week, maybe next week, I'm thinking. And they're going to let some fans in, too. Wow. Yeah, so UNLV Rebels will be the first one with some people in there to watch them play. Good, good. It's about time. Right. Get back to some normalcy. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's interesting. The NFL and some teams allow fans there and you know, I was watching uh, my hometown team, the Philadelphia Eagles, and they had some fans out there last Thursday night at Lincoln Financial Field. And and then, you know, you see other games and there's nobody there. It's just some weird times. It's just nuts. I watched the World Series the other night and the Dodgers win. And it's, it's just not the same because there's 2,000 people in the stands and you can damn near hear crickets as they're celebrating a championship. Right, right. That's just not right. No. no. It's really messed up. But 2021 is just around the corner, and good Lord, fingers crossed, back to some normalcy and some and some fucking live gigs. That'd be yeah, amazing. Let's, let's open the doors and let the people in. <laughs> I agree. I'm talking about like a fucking live gig. You see this for, right? Ted, your time in uh, American Head Charge, were you still living in Vegas or a tour bus or Minneapolis or what was going on? Um. You know, I called Vegas home base, but uh, all of my shit was in storage for years, you know, um, okay. because of all the traveling. I mean, I, I lived here before the band and, and, of course, after. But during that time, I, uh, I really just had my cars and my gear and everything, my whole house basically in a storage locker. So I uh, did a lot of traveling, stayed a lot of I uh, spent a lot of time in Minneapolis, you know, that was kind of the, the other home base. Sure. And um, and then when we weren't touring or recording, I was um, back home and crashing on friends' couches, you know. <laughs> living the dream, right? I was about to say living the musician life. Exactly. <laughs> well, Jeff and I both from Minneapolis, we, we heard about you guys a ton, saw you a bunch. It seemed like you guys were road dogs and... God, just played nonstop no matter what was going on. For sure. Yeah, it was, it was a wild ride. A lot of fun. I mean, and those guys definitely uh, were road dogs long before I joined, you know. Um, they uh, they really worked hard at it, you know. And I was glad to be a part of it. Very cool. I think they might have set the record for playing first Ave over a thousand times. Bro, I believe it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the times that I played first Ave, uh, I'll never forget. I mean, just... The energy in that room has always been amazing, you know? It's such a great room. The vibe, the sound, everything is just, it's got great history. And anytime you play a show there, it's definitely a memorable one. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I remember my first time there. I think it was uh, September of 2013. And somebody told me that um, when we were doing sound check, that one of the guys running monitors there used to run sound for Nirvana. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I, I want to like that's just talk cool. to that guy and see what it was like. And I never even got a chance, you know. Boy, to pick his brain just for 30 minutes would be history in the making. <laughs> right. Wow. Legendary. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that room is uh, definitely has some magic to it. I mean, the sound in there and the vibe, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's definitely something special, that's for sure. Yeah. What What are you doing now, Ted? Um, you know, the whole time, I, uh, I've i always been into technology. My whole life has been kind of a yin-yang of technology and music. And uh, so they go back and forth. And, and some years of my life have been all music and some have been all technology. And there's been many times that I've done both and wanted to get out of one or in the other completely, but they all just kind of swim back and forth in my life, you know? Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, of course with, uh, with music, um, uh, not only like playing with head charge, but I just love playing guitar. I used to just playing cover bands, uh, in Vegas playing on the strip. Um, nice. I had a, I had a nineties cover band that, that worked a lot. We had a contract over at Mandalay Bay in the house of blues and then downtown, uh, nice on Fremont. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, nowadays it's, it's really tough, you know, music is, is always in my blood. I'll always be, um, writing and recording at home and, and collaborating with others, you know, um, last year I did a show in LA with my friend's band, um, Hal Sagan. They're a great band out of LA that just recently relocated to Vegas. And, uh, I got to know those guys from my friend Nick, who used to play guitar for Power Man, and he was also oh, sure. uh, a guitarist for Head Charge back in the day, too. Very cool. So, yeah, I got to do a show with those guys last year. That was fun. But, um, you know, since then, it's always been technology, um, mainly network engineering. Um, I work with uh, Cisco Systems, so I really enjoy that. Um, I That's remember a big company. One... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, I remember um, one tour we were in Europe with um, Head PE and Soil and uh, Wolfborn. And, you know, I was playing gigs over in Europe and like scheduling my lunch break around when I was hitting the stage in Europe, you know, because I was still working my day job from the tour bus, you know. <laughs> oh, geez. Double duty in Europe, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes had to do that. So. You know, hit the stage at nine o'clock over there and, you know, be out for lunch and then get back in and get in the shower line and after the show and get back to work, you know. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but my friend Jared from Head PE, the singer, uh, he saw me on the bus working one night and he's like, it's the Cisco kid. So I never see anybody do what you're doing, man. <laughs> and it's uh, impressive, you know, man. Yeah, thanks. I had to, though, you know, I got to pay the bills, you know. Sure. <laughs> Tour in Europe didn't pay the bills. I was just making ends meet, right? Yeah, you know, it was it was always it was always nice, but uh, it's kind of you know with like with music, you just got to constantly do it to keep afloat. And if you have the downtime, then it gets rough, you know. So I just always had to have that plan B. There was another time I remember when we were in the UK, and um, so I walked off of a bus and, and there was a guy out there and he just said, Hey, I, I just got a question for you. I was like, sure, man. He's like, you guys have day jobs. <laughs> 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 I 
And uh, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I do. Yeah. And I told him what I did and he's like, that's really cool, man. You know, I was like, yeah, it's, you know, gotta just pay the bills. So uh, if I could, I would, I would definitely always do music full time, but uh, you know, technology always seems to be there for me, you know? Well, it's a good backup and I don't think technology is going anywhere. Right. What about you guys? What do you guys do? Well, currently I am a behind the wheel driving instructor. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, um, you know, 2020 taking away lots of our shows. I had to go find something a little bit more sustainable with not touring and doing anything like that. So this year I started a new job and so far so good. Nice. That's yeah. cool. Jeff, you risk your life on the road every day with teenagers. Yeah, and now <laughs> that it's snowy out, it is definitely sketchy. <laughs> Oh you yeah, get, you, gotta you get hazard pay for that. You should drive in Vegas, man, not Minneapolis. Right, right. <laughs> Time to relocate. I'll start my own driving school out there. <laughs> Interstate 15, right, Ted? Exactly. Man. There you go. Drive by Allegiant, wave. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Allegiant Stadium on the left, and Allegiant shithole airlines on the right. Yeah. <laughs> Airport's right by Mandalay Bay, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you do, Shane? I'm one of those airline pilots, but not for Allegiant. Really? Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. You're an airline pilot. Yeah, I fly 737s. Nice. So, been doing that since 04, and uh, Jeff and I have been doing the uh, touring Metallica tribute gig since 2010. It's been 10 years already. Oh man. It's crazy. We've been around the world and seen some things and I feel like I feel like I just started yesterday. <laughs> so cool. What's the name of your band? One, the only tribute to Metallica. I like it. Have a lot um, of fun with it. The time is flowing by and we love every minute of it. Oh yeah. Badass. Yeah, man. Uh, when you guys play Vegas next time, uh, I'd love to come up and do a song with you. Absolutely. You name the song. Which one? Oh, man. Anything off of the first five albums, man. I'm diehard on those. You know, I think I can still play every riff from them. <laughs> Jeff, your job's in jeopardy, man. <laughs> or, or maybe maybe our singer's job is in jeopardy. Who knows? If he, if he can riff. <laughs> there you go. I, oh, I definitely can't sing, but I can just play, you know? <laughs> That's awesome, too. So, so maybe my job is in jeopardy. Uh-oh. There you go. <laughs> oh, so you're the Kirk Hammett of the group, huh? I, I am the Kirk, yes. Okay, nice. I like it. We could have yeah. a dueling four horsemen solo. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we could play all the harmonies. <laughs> there you go. Have you guys ever met Metallica? I have, Ted, yeah, a yeah, few times. Has. That's cool down-to-earth guys and uh couldn't ask for any better they've been they've been great to the times i've gotten to say hello to them yeah same for me man i've met them a couple times too it's always the opposite of what you're gonna get and just four down-to-earth dudes chatting all things about life and on the way you go and it's like wow did that just happen uh-huh yeah yeah recently are you guys on their uh the metallica texting list yes uh-huh. So all the uh, news updates. Yeah, you know, it's just like another form of social media, I think, and advertising for them, you know. Right. But um so usually you get like the YouTube links or the special discount sale or whatever. 
Right. But I, I got this one text like last year that was like, Hey, uh, Lars is going to be in Vegas and wants to say hello. Is that when he was at that liquor store or that donut Einstein's shop? Einstein's bagels. <laughs> it's That's a bagel it shop. Yeah. I remember sh- that. He showed up. Like we were like, nah, come on. Is this like there's joke? no way he'll show up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, we got to go, you know? So, um, my lady and another friend of mine went over and uh, we uh, we just waited there outside the bagel shop and like more and more people started showing up, but no sure. Lars, you know? And then we started getting text updates like, uh, hey, he's running late. He, you know, he, he, I found out he was going to be in town for like the Latin Grammys, you know, mm-hmm. he's presenting. So um, it just kept saying, he's going to be late. He's going to be late. More and more people were showing up with their albums and everything. Sure enough, he rolled up limo and his crew came out and and he said hey guys i just wanted to try a little social experiment and see if this texting thing works you know <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> thousand people later around the block at einstein i was about to say how many people showed up there you know you know it really wasn't that many thankfully you didn't have to wait that long to say hello and talk to him you know it was I, I would say there was about 200 people there oh wow yeah yeah and about what a, an hour two hour notice Exactly. If that, maybe an hour, hour and a half notice. Yeah. All right. Drop everything. Go to the bagel shop. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's just around. <laughs> it was right by the airport. I mean, he must have got off the plane, jumped in the limo, and cruised over to the shop before he hit MGM for the awards. You know. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was really neat. Get that text. Okay, we got to run home. Grab my ride the lightning vinyl. We got to get over there. <laughs> I do yeah. remember. I've, I've got some other friends that live in Vegas and. Buddy texted me. He's like, I just got this text that says Lars is going to be at, I thought it was a liquor store, but donut shop. And I'm like, what? He's like, yep, we're heading there. And sure as shit, there he is. I'm like, good Lord, that's crazy. Yeah, it was so cool. Well, Ted, as you know, we're in all uh, Metallica podcast where the fan comes on, drives the discussion, and and talks all the topics. I mean, we're, we're already into the bread and butter of it, but uh, <laughs> when did your Metallica, your Metallica journey start in life? My Metallica journey? Uh I was a kid. Uh, some of my best friends, uh, Mario and Kevin, came over, and I forget which one of them was, but one of them had the Master of Puppets cassette, <laughs> and uh, somebody else had Ride the Lightning and Kill 'Em All, I think. And uh, those guys got me into them um, when we were kids, and um, just you know, I, I played those cassettes on repeat, and then. Uh, um, I do remember when Injustice for All came out. Um, nice. I remember having a couple of rolls of dimes. By that time, we were, uh, I guess, uh, I don't even know if we were teenagers yet, but um, we had a couple of rolls of dimes, and we were friends with the guy at the record store, and I remember like getting getting the, my own money, all those dimes together, <laughs> and riding my bike to the store, putting it up on the counter and saying, give me my Justice tape, you know? <laughs> All in dimes for the cassette, huh? Uh, oh, yeah, man. Very it was, cool. It was awesome, yeah. That's a lot of dimes. Hell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, cruised on back, was all excited, and, you know, Blackened came on. I'll never forget it for the first time hearing it. It was awesome. And uh, uh, later that year, I believe they came to Philly. It might have been 88 or 89, we saw them with uh, Queensryche, and we saw them with the Cult opening both times. Oh, God. Talk about great openers. Yep.
and we jumped the barriers and got down on the floor and got as close as we could. We we're just crazy kids, you know. <laughs> and, I wish I could have uh, seen that tour. Yeah, man, it was awesome. That's our dream tour, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, I wasn't even alive when it happened. I missed it by oh. just a couple years. Oh man, I know, bummer for me. Right, right. <laughs> Ted, are you familiar with the uh, live shit binge and purge box set? Oh yeah, I have it. The uh, Seattle footage from that tour. Right. That's uh, that's my favorite footage of all time. Eighty nine Seattle damage justice. Nothing tops that. Yeah, that that was badass for sure. I still have my damage justice program too. He's cool. got the program. Oh, way program. cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Way cool. Back when you could get a program for next to nothing at the show, and now if you want the you know fifty page colored booklet, it's like seventy five dollars to a program. Uh huh. But God, back then the cult Queensrÿche just up and coming openers. Now look at them. Yeah, right to be able to see the cult you know on their first album too you know seeing them on electric i mean that album is one of my favorite rock and roll albums hands down and right just to be able to hear that you know alongside with metallica and what i consider to be their prime years um i know a lot of people think the puppets era or the black album era get talked about a lot as like their prime era but i, I think it was justice Sure. Yeah, it was a great time for them, and uh, that album was one of my favorites. Uh, Did you hear any singles before you bought that cassette, Ted, or are you just going into it blind and you popped it in and blackens the first thing you heard? You know, I don't remember. Um, I got to say that I probably did not hear the singles at that time because there was no radio airplay for them back then. Very true. And, of course, no internet, so I got to think that at that time, I probably never heard any of that new record until I put it into my old cassette player, you know. The coworker and I the other day were sitting in a hotel lobby waiting for a van to take us to the airport. He looks over at me as we're both on our phones and goes, what the fuck did we do before the internet? <laughs> I was you know, like, I, well, we had normal conversations and made eye contact and actually went out and did shit together. <laughs> yeah, he actually communicated with people on a you know face-to-face It's just just crazy to think back of how life was in the 80s and 90s without that shit. Exactly, man. Yeah, it's so different. And now a a record comes out, and I mean, Ted's probably well aware with releases and and albums. God, half the world hears it before the damn thing's even officially out. Well, yeah. Well, and nowadays, so many bands, they put out so many singles from their EPs or from their from their record that like by the time the CD comes out, you have like, if it's an EP, maybe you have one or two songs that you haven't heard or, you know, a full length record. There's like half the album has already been released just in singles. Uh huh. Yeah. It's all marketing. It's all about streaming and online sales nowadays, you know, and how many interactions you can get on social media. Exactly, man. Yeah, and I think back then, too, um, when you're talking about the cult and electric, um, I believe they were supporting Sonic Temple back then because I remember yes. them playing uh, Firewoman, and I thought that was awesome. Yeah. And then Queensryche was supporting uh, Operation Minecraft. Operation, yep. Yeah, yeah. So good. Yep. So that started the Garage Band with my friends and – you know, playing on tennis rackets and everything else, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect air guitar, right, man? Exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. 
What was your yeah. first band, Ted? Uh, it's a band out of Philadelphia called Empty Stairs, and uh, still like the best of friends with those guys. Like I was mentioning earlier, Mario and Kevin, those two guys I grew up with, and then uh, very cool. My other friends, Tom and Randy, they they joined in high school, and we played in that band all through high school and into some of the college years, and did well and did some some Midwest touring, got to play some metal festivals and. It was fun, man. It was was a good time. Very cool. How did the American Head Charge gig happen? Um, Head Charge happened because I I was working for ministry. Um, I was uh, basically just on the crew with them. Good old Al. (laughs) I love, yeah, I love Uncle Al. (laughs) Uh, Yep, yep. I was uh, living in L.A. at the time, and I got the gig for... uh, uh, just crew on ministry, and I got to know Al and his wife at the time, Angie, and uh, Mikey Scotia, rest in peace, the guitar player. So, yeah, it was me and Mikey and Al and Angie on one bus, and uh, and their two dogs. <laughs> then they had they had three other buses and a tractor trailer, and that was a wild ride all through North America. And from there, um, getting to know that. The other band was called the Revolting Cox, which was like Al's side project. And back in the day, he great had great name, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he had, uh, <laughs> he had Trent Reznor in that band from years ago, so he had to get kind of a new Trent. And he had auditions and hired this guy Josh Bradford to be like the new Trent in Revco. And uh, him and I got to be really good friends. And um, so. Josh and I stayed in touch after that touring. I actually lived with Al and his wife, Angie, in El Paso, Texas for a while, too. El Paso. Uh, I love that place. Yeah. We've played there many times. Really chill. Yeah. I, I spent a year with them, and that was a lot of fun. But uh, after I, I flew back, um, I started writing and recording and, and started up this project in Vegas. And Josh was in L.A., and I love his voice. And I was like, Josh, you want to come up and record some songs with me? So he came up and stayed with me in Vegas for three or four months. And every night we're writing songs, uh, you know, heartbreak, love, women, everything we could think of, you know, sure, just original, sure. original songs. And uh, one day he goes out and uh, I'm working and he comes back at night and he says, uh, have you, have you ever heard of a guy named Jakey Lee? And I was like, <laughs> hell yeah. dude!" <laughs> yeah. I might've heard of him. I love Jake Ely. Are you kidding me? He's wow. an amazing guitar player, you know? And he's like, yeah, I just recorded a song with him. And I was like, oh, cool, man. You know, here in Vegas? He's like, yeah. So uh, I was like, I'd love to meet him, you know? I was like, how did you know him? And he was like, well, through a friend of mine that worked on the crew for Revolting Cox, and he introduced me, and they're working on this cover song. Um, and uh, they asked me to do vocals on it. And I was like, wow. I was like, well, maybe, you know, they could help us record our project because – we were recording at my place and they're recording over at their place. And so uh, Josh ended up taking me over there to uh, Jakey's and he's recording with karma from head charge and karma was doing the, uh, the engineering on the laptop, you know, pro tools and stuff. So yeah, we were all recording together over at Jakey's place yep. and uh, working on our uh, project at the time, uh, Josh and I it was called Lunaville and, uh, just more of a recording project, but we did a couple of shows with Jake and he actually played bass for us, which was awesome. You know? Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, as time went on, I mean, still doing, uh, cover band gigs, playing guitar and 
uh, karma hit me up um, maybe a couple years later and was like, what are you up to? You know, I said, I'm just doing the cover band gig. And he was like, do you want to do a run with head charge? Cause sin, my friend sin from ministry was actually playing with them. And uh, I remember that. Yeah. Guitar. Yeah. And um, he had some kind of scheduling conflict with ministry and so he couldn't do it. And uh, so um, he just was like, Hey, can you, you know, fill in? I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go out and do it. It was just a U.S. run, you know, and learned the songs and flew out to Minneapolis and we rehearsed for like two weeks and met, I remember meeting Chad on day one and his dog monkey rest in peace, Chad. Yep. Yep. And uh, Chad showed me a lot of the songs as well as Cameron and karma too. So just kind of learned the songs and went out and did that run. And I thought that would be it, you know, and then uh, their manager said, Hey, the guys are going over to the UK for the first time in like eight years. And can you head over to the UK with them? And I was like, sure. You know, so yeah, just kind of kept rolling from there. And then, you know, it was never like awesome. a, an official thing. It just kind of kept going, you know. When when you were in Minneapolis, do you remember what city it was? What city? Um, were you right in Minneapolis downtown, or was it somewhere else that we might know of? Um, I did stay uh, with my friends uh, Rachel at the time in Minneapolis. Uh, we had another friend that we stayed with there. I can't remember her name, but yeah, that was they were both downtown Minneapolis. Okay, and then um, and then we rehearsed over at Chad's School of Rock because um, he was a teacher out there. Okay, and that that was in another part of Minnesota, um, Prairie something, Eden Prairie, Eden Prairie. There you go. There and you go. We spent a lot of time out there rehearsing, and then yeah, from there we just go out on tour and do our thing, and we. Uh, we recorded the uh, album Tango Umbrella for Napalm Records out in Kentucky too, and that was a great experience. We were out there for two months. Um, we rented a house and uh, uh, stayed in Louisville and uh, Richmond. I think we recorded in Richmond at Third Sky Studios with our friend Richard Easterling. He's a great engineer out there. So, so what yeah. started as a, just a short leg fill-in became a couple years for you. How cool! Yeah, man. Exactly. So cool. Almost to the day. It was three years. It was start to run. Start to beginning. Um, start to finish, I should say. Yeah, it was about three years. And you were just down the road from Jeff and good old Eden Prairie. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you come visit us, Jeff? Uh, you know, you know, it's <laughs> funny you say that because I, you know, I think I saw, I remember what year it was, but when I was, when I was really young, Head Charge played at this venue in columbia heights called the star bar i believe it was called and there's i was way too young there's i should not have been in a bar but i went up there and i <laughs> i remember seeing them play and i was like all right this is awesome you know even as a little kid right that's cool man do you know how many total shows ted that american head charges played no, you know, and I love uh, numbers and statistics, things like that. And and I've even, you know, when I get some spare time, another project of mine is just to document all the tours I did and like, you know, sure. try to remember uh, different things. And I started trying to do that on my Instagram, like writing about different memories and things. But now I really, I, I don't know how many shows they've played all together. I, I'm, I'm sure thousands though, you know. Oh, yeah. 
When I think of Road Dogs, I think of American Head Charge and Seven Dust. Seven Dust, yep. Hell yeah, I agree with Seven Dust. Another one I'll add to that list is our friends Head PE. Those guys work a lot. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> very true, very true. Yeah. We've played a lot of the same venues as them. I always see, we'll play and they'll see their flyers for whatever oh, show. Yeah. They're either right before us or right after us. And exactly. Yeah, yeah those guys all are Road Dogs. Road. Yep. <laughs> seems like in the heyday head charge and seven dust came through town every like three or four months that's awesome. it's like do these guys ever go home and <laughs> shit the, the answer was no it was just non-stop well, your guys' posters and flyers right just a few years ago what i think seven dust came through minnesota like three times three yeah three times in the yeah. same year that's awesome nuts yeah i love seeing seven dust those guys are hard working for sure oh yeah their new album is so good. Cool. I have to check that one out. That's on my list for sure. It's still weird to me to think of them being on Rise Records. I just don't associate Seven Dust and Rise Records and like the same thing. But right. the album is amazing. I mean, I absolutely love that band. And yeah. I feel like they're like a good wine, in my opinion. That band has just, in my opinion, just keeps getting better with age. Like oh, every dude. album, every album they put out just gets better and better. Definitely, man. I agree. And I think, um, you know, bands and labels, it's all about relationships and, oh yeah, you know, how hard the label's going to work for that band and, and market and, you know, do well for them. Uh, I remember when, uh, Nickelback signed a Roadrunner. I was like, what? Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, look what happened there. Holy shit. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, yeah, you got bands like everything from what? Nickelback, Slipknot, and uh, yeah, I think even Dream Theater was on Roadrunner for a while, too. Right. And it's like they, they have such a wide variety of metal music that they offer. Definitely. I just finished reading uh, Johnny Z's. Uh, Metal Tales book, the founder of Megaforce Records. Cool. That is an amazing read. Talk about a guy that worked his ass off for every band he had. Oh, I bet, man. Back when, unbelievable. Back when you actually, well, not, I shouldn't say actually, but back when they worked for their bands a little bit more than having the band just do everything their, themselves, you know, via social media. Well, early 80s, it was do or die for him. He didn't do anything for the band. The label's going to die. Right. They wouldn't make any money. They wouldn't go anywhere. And it's, I feel like some labels. I didn't realize, have... how, many, I didn't realize how many bands he had. Oh, yeah. There was a lot, I'm Imp- sure. Impressive. Obviously, I bought it for the Metallica knowledge, but all sure. the Anthrax, Overkill. And then I didn't know that he had King X or King's X. Oh, really? Awesome stories. Great book. I didn't book. know that either. That's Great cool. book. Yeah, that reminds me of um, Brian Slagle with Metal Blade Records, you know. Yep. Yeah, and he, same he put deal. Out a book too. Yeah, I bought his book. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but uh, he's got a he's got an antique mall shop here, and uh, he's got like all of his old school stuff for sale, and it's almost kind of like an indoor flea market, you know. And uh, right in Vegas, Ted. Yeah, yeah, it's right on uh, Las Vegas Boulevard. Uh, I'm actually going to be out there like in a couple weeks. Uh, what vicinity? Um, it, it's called the antique mall of America and it's right on Las Vegas <laughs> Boulevard. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty generic name. Yep. And, antique uh, mall of America. And he's got a big booth in there and yeah, I bought some old typo negative records in there and I bought his book and typo. Got God, that was stuff. a great band. Yeah. They're one of my favorites typo and life of agony for sure. 
Shane, go in there and ask him if he's ever been to the Mall of America. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. I went there once. I'm going to ask Brian that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my friend Rachel took me over to the Mall of America once. I was pretty blown away. The place was huge. It's Yeah, it, it's a mall. <laughs> it's, clo- <laughs> it's closed right now. I don't know how they're making payments. They're losing their ass. Oh, yeah, I can't imagine. Brian Slagle in that uh, location much or someone else running it for him? Um, haven't seen him there, but okay. he tweets, tweets about it a lot. And uh, I know he bounces back and forth between Vegas and L.A. I don't know if he has residence at both places, but uh, him and I are both Golden Knights fans. So I always see him at the hockey games. Um, cool. But I also see him at L.A. Kings games, too. So, you know, I think he's got season tickets for both teams if I'm uh, not mistaken. Cool. I'm going to have to run down to the antique MOA and see if he's in. There you go, man. Walk in there and go, have you ever heard of Metallica? <laughs> no, I've never heard of them. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? Metal Blade's got some great bands, though. Oh, God, yeah. Got some great yeah, bands man. In the yeah, when I was a kid, I remember listening to a lot of Metal Blade bands, too, and I can't remember which ones now, but I remember seeing their, I almost want to say Anthrax, Fistful of Metal, maybe. Was that on Metal Blade? I don't know. Or maybe that was Megaforce. Uh, Anthrax was on Megaforce to like 92, what I just That's read. That's right. That's right. Makes sense. It's funny, though. When you look back at like uh, Metal Blade and Megaforce, those guys in the beginning had no idea what they were doing. Metallica had no idea what they were doing, and they just made it happen. Right. Johnny Z and his wife got behind him for Kill Em All, and what a story. Yeah. Johnny's story is crazy. He had no idea what the hell he was doing on a day-to-day basis in massive debt, like three mortgages on the house, just trying to get Kill 'em All recorded for like 15 grand. Had no idea how to put on a show. And then he wanted to be their management. He wanted to be Anthrax's management. He had no idea about production or lighting or sound or anything. It was just like, just totally out of the blue. I'm going to do this for a living. Wow. Just I'm gonna do this and take a chance, and it was just wow. a crazy story of just <laughs> look at how Anthrax and Metallica turned out. Yeah, I mean right. the way he was running his business was literally a million to one odds. And no, he wasn't too happy um, when he lost that contract too. I actually just read uh, Michael Lago's book, um, who signed yes. them to Electra. Great book. I, yeah, Birth, Signing Metallica, and Beating Death. I think it's called. Yep, exactly. But, yeah, definitely. Um, I just bought it uh, for my friend Justin from Head Charge, the uh, keyboard sample player, and sent it out to him. And uh, also sent him the Anthony Daniels book. I'm reading that right now. I'm a big Star Wars fan, too. <laughs> there you go, man. Uh, it's called IMC3PO. And, uh, man, I actually feel bad for that guy. <laughs> like, that's the shit he's been through. I'm like, damn, that sucks, you know? <laughs> he's gotten screwed over a lot. <laughs> Everybody knows who he is, but it not right. for the right reason. Right, right. And he's the only actor to be in all nine Star Wars films, he says, too. Oh, wow. Jeff, Ted has all this time to read and do all this fun shit. I think we should go work for Cisco. <laughs> yeah, are they hiring? Are there some <laughs> open spaces out in Vegas? I could, I could use some warm weather right about now. Hell yeah, man. Technology uh, sector is booming, man. They're always hiring, you know, like uh, I think it's one of the, I don't want to call it essentials, but maybe because everybody needs the technology. Nowadays, it definitely is. 
yeah um it's definitely yeah. become essential and you know i mean everyone needs their phones and their ipads their computers internet wi-fi what you know whatever you have it yep so many customers are like we need um 500 employees to work from home tomorrow you know like what <laughs> okay wow. uh, or you know doing telehealth for hospitals setting up vpn and jabber video and you know all that exciting i'm gonna stuff. be honest i am even though i'm of the younger generation that should know a lot about technology i am absolutely just paralyzed <laughs> when it comes to technology i don't paralyzed know. yeah paralyzed. <laughs> yeah i i can't i mean i can work my my macbook and my iphone and that's about it and, and my xbox but everything else is I have to think about it for a second. And even right. still, I don't know if I if I work my iPhone as efficiently as some people may, you know, suggest. <laughs> I hear you. Coming from a guy that has a Kemper amp. Yeah. I find uh-huh. that hard to believe, Ted. <laughs> I bet. Just yeah, got a, a Kemper rig. I mean, you need a, a master's degree to program that thing. That right. was, and that that's what I'm saying. It was all technology. Why do you think it took me how I mean, how many years did I run it before I finally set up my cab sim so that I could <laughs> DI it? I mean, literally, it was years. And then finally my bass player was like, Will you just turn the cab sim on so we can DI it and try it? And I was like, all right. I walked over and literally it's like one button. And, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I'm like, that took time to go over there and do that. And I had to actually like look it up to find which button it was. I said, this is why I didn't want to do it. Sure enough, turn the cab sim on and it sounds amazing. And I've been DIing ever since. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. I walked I, uh... over him, Ted. I said, you have a $3,000 amp and you're using about $20 worth of its capabilities. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just using it like any other normal head. just One setting because it sounds so good. Hey, right. I love the way it sounded. You know, I got my profile patch set up and it was just full and nasty and I loved it. I still, awesome. I still love the sound of tube amps better, but that Kemper is damn fucking close to a tube amp. It really is. Yeah, they're badass, man. I, uh. I was at NAM uh, last January with my friends from Hal Sagan, and uh, I stayed the most at the Kemper booth trying out everything. Man, I loved it. <laughs> I want to get one of their new uh, – they have the Kemper floor model now, so the whole amp is just a in a floor pedal board. I tested board. that out too. Yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome. Was it just was, like a pedal board? Yeah, it's literally yeah. just the pedal board with everything, and I would just literally have and to have – it? And that's it. Wow. I wouldn't need my rack anymore. I mean, I would still want a rack with gear in it, but I wouldn't have to have that sure. rack with the amp and all the drawers and all that shit. I just, I would literally just have my pedal board and it would be so simple. Just DI uh-huh. it. Wave of the future, boys. Yeah. yeah. That pedal board would come in handy for overseas gigs for sure. Yes, it would because, oh man, we, we've gotten screwed a little bit overseas. We went to Bahrain a few years ago and <laughs> okay. we, we decided to oh, fly God. with our guitars and our pedal boards and that's it. And of course we sent, oh. you know, our list, our, of, you know, required gear and we get there and it was everything but what we asked for. I think oh, no. I'm pretty sure our singer had to play through like a crate. <laughs> yeah, it was like oh, no. a crate in a B fifty two. A B fifty two. Yeah, it was a B fifty two combo amp. 
<laughs> it was that so sucks. yeah and he couldn't get like a i remember the uh like the channel switcher on it was like messed up so when he went to his distorted channel his clean channel would be on at the same time wow so he's sitting oh, there riffing and I you can hear like that. clean picking underneath it oh god oh that and sucks what's even worse is that it was our first time in Bahrain and all the shows that we played there were completely sold out. It was amazing as far as like crowd turnout. And then we had to Sounded deal with like shit. We had to deal with that. <laughs> oh awesome. man. I forgot about that. Yeah. Good times though. I look back at it and I'm glad it happened now because it's just a great story to look back on. It's like, didn't you read on this paper? Marshall Mesa boogie only. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Something that is a normal amp, please. <laughs> not a broken amp. Yeah. Tama or DW, not Pearl Export is what I played on for those Man, four nights. <laughs> you basically got like one of those like sound, starter kits, sound percussion SP <laughs> drum kits. <laughs> it was yeah, not pretty. It. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, but. It- Anyone that knows about being on the road, you know that sometimes you get dealt a shitty hand and you just have to make do. Exactly, man. Ted, we've got this section of the show called the uh, the I Disappear Desert. Basically, okay. if you're uh, stranded, let's say, about 100 miles outside of good old El Paso in the desert there, what would be the five Metallica songs you'd choose for the rest of your life? <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! Or you That's... could go to the south in Juarez, and maybe you'd never get past the border. Yeah, you would uh... never have to listen to Metallic ever again. <laughs> right? I did go to Juarez one time with the Ministry Gang, and it was fun. <laughs> Thankfully, we didn't come back with our heads in coolers. You know, <laughs> that, that was our worry when we went down to El Paso to play. We were like, "Oh, so how about going to Juarez?" They're like, "Yeah, if you want to die tonight." Uh-huh. And then the venue that we played at, eventually it was like in the contract that their artists were not allowed to go into Juarez. Nope. I believe it, man. Yeah. Uh, five songs in the desert. Um, five man. songs for life. No pressure. For yeah. life. Uh, I got to go with Blackened. That one has a, uh, I don't know, it's just near and dear to my heart for some reason. I love playing it and I love listening to it. Um, well, shit, when you buy the cassette with all your dimes, you got to have <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, let's exactly. see what this uh, scrounging up money, let's see what this bought me. Uh, sanitarium and Master of Puppets, they're going to be in there. Boy, you came up with those fast. Yeah, I just think of the ones that, like, just come out of me when I start just noodling on the guitar, you know, if I sure. just want to play some kind of Metallica jam, like... Uh, sure. One of my old drummers, uh, Whitey, like we would rehearse with our cover band, and then for like an hour, two hours later, we would just riff out on Metallica after the rest of the band left. You know, um, play all four thousand riffs and go. God, that was fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gotta go with Creeping Death. Nice. Um, yeah. And uh, man, number five. Um, it's gonna be something off of Lulu. Shit, <laughs> no, something off of Stain Anger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Detuned no. goodness, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Uh, I guess Injustice for All. I, it yes. Just comes along. Yeah. I got I to go with Justice. That's my favorite Metallica That's song. That's Jeff's jam, Ted. You, man. Love it. Love that song. That's a hell of a list. That's, so he, that's he got your favorite song and he got my favorite song Black and Injustice. Cool. Two All thumbs right. up for Ted. <laughs> <laughs> Creep, Justice, Black, Sanitarium, and Master. That's uh. There you go. That's tough to beat, man. <laughs> That's a wrist burner of a of a list too. Yep. There's yep. definitely some good good riffing, good chunking going on there. Good songs. Have you ever heard him play Master Terium, Ted? Um, I don't know, honestly. Um, it, it rings a bell. I think I've seen them now live twenty five or twenty six times. Damn. Yeah, but I I don't remember if. Uh, they did it in the early two thousand, so Master up until the bridge and then Sanitarium intro and then right as Sanitarium solo ends back into puppets. Huh. Pretty cool shit. Would that have been on like the load and reload tours? Uh it was more like ninety nine, two thousand, right before Newstead left. Okay. Some of that, yeah. that initial like summer sanitarium tour shit. Okay, I did see him on that run. I remember with, uh, I think it was Mudvayne and Lincoln Park. Yeah, that was like... Limp Biscuit. That was that the second been, one. That would have been 03. Wasn't that oh, the was second that? Summer okay. Sanitarium Tour? Yeah, St. Anger Era with Rob. Yep. Yep. 25 times. Where else have you seen him? That's a, that's a good list. I've seen them on every touring cycle since Justice. And, uh, Holy any, shit. Yeah, and any kind of like one-off, you know, shit on the shingle tour or whatever they call it you know (laughs) (laughs) they've done all kind of stuff you know i remember shit on the shed there you go yeah it was in uh, the sheds shit in the shed tour i like the shingle though dude that was awesome (laughs) shit on a shingle i love those hey that's a great sandwich i'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) that was with suicidal i remember suicidal yes it was with them and Maybe Danzig. Danzig, yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, most of the shows um, were Philly. Um, they did that that show in Philly, that Million Man March, I think, in the parking lot. Oh, you saw Philly. the parking lot show for Reload. Yeah, that was cool. Oh, and that was awesome. That was awesome. And then I saw them at the Electric Factory in Philadelphia when they <sighs> had a Metallica cover band open for them on the Garage Days tour. That would have been Battery. Yeah, that's it. It was Battery. They were yep. cool. And that's when they played uh, five shows for the Garage Inc. promo. Yeah, yeah. Saw God, that one. Some good shit. That's some rare and, shit. Yeah, right? Uh, I liked how you called a Million Man Marshall because that was a totally free concert, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was super cool. And they were trying for a couple weeks before that to decide where to play, and that was like the only city in the States that would let them have a free show in the parking lot. Uh-huh. And there's probably, what, 70,000 people showed up? <laughs> there was a shit ton, yeah. Yeah, that's some yeah. good footage. And uh, when they played the Electric Factory on the Garage Days tour, um, after the show, they they said they were going to be down the street at the local <laughs> gas station. It's like a Shell gas station in, like, uh, a garage. And I brought my ESP Mirage 2 Custom Deluxe Kirk Hammett model. Dude. Built by the guy that built his guitars for him before he had the signature series. You Holy know? shit. Yeah. Check that out, I, Jeff. Wow. I brought, I brought it. <laughs> Does it have the Jackson headstock? Uh, the Jackson headstock? No, no. It's ESP. Was, okay, because I know some of the old ESPs before 
uh, they switched to what is now the normal ESP headstock. They had those Jackson style headstocks yeah, upside them. down. Uh, yeah, like his Zorlac guitar. So that's all. Yeah, because they they did they did have it a, is upside down. Yeah, they did have mm-hmm. a small run for a few years where it was like the Jackson styled versus the ESP styled. Huh. But it was before he had signed a signature series guitar. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah. It it was neat. I had it been like, man, that was like saving up on the paper route and working in the nursery, nursery home, you know, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> saving every penny, every dime you can find. <laughs> yeah. And they, uh, they, so that's it. when they were down at that gas station. Yeah, so I took it. I was sat in line, stood in line for four hours with my buddy with my guitar. Jeez. And I get up to the front of the line, and then these limos pull up, and they're like, guys, we're really sorry. We got to roll. Aww. And I was like, oh, I'm like holding my guitar, like, please. please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and they took off and waved, and I didn't even get a, an autograph or got to show my guitar or anything. Oh, you know? dude. I was bummed, right? So fast forward. uh to 2004 in philly um i signed up on their met club fan club thing and and did the email and i got an email out of nowhere hey you've been selected to come to the meet and greet i was like oh wow all right i'm bringing my guitar this time you know (laughs) (laughs) so listen here guys you you ditched me last time (laughs) uh uh-huh so, uh, yeah, I got to meet all four of them and uh, talk to James the longest because he was he was really like took an interest in like what I was showing him. I had these like old childhood pictures of my room growing up with just like plastered with Metallica posters everywhere. Sure. And I shared I shared a room with my grandfather and he was like cool with it. Like he let me decorate my room wherever, you know, and I had pictures of him um in the metallica room you know our bedroom like and he was a boxer so he had his hands up you know just funny goofy pictures and i wanted james and the whole guys to sign them and very cool uh, yeah and i was showing it to him and james like really took an interest in it and like my family and he was like that's a cool picture is your grandfather a boxer you know and he just like was asking me questions about him and i was like yeah you know my dad would always tease my grandfather and tell him that he looked like the Sandman from the Sandman video, you know? <laughs> and James like laughed and he looked, he's like, yeah, I can kind of see the resemblance, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, he, he signed my guitar and then Kirk came in and I, I pulled out the guitar and showed it to him and he looked at it. Like he just stared at it and he was like flipping it back and forth, you know? And he was like, he's like looking at me like, where'd you get this? You know? Right. <laughs> And uh, I told him the story, you know, this guy out in New York, ESP, built it for me. I was a kid. He's like, this is this is just like mine, you know. I was like, yeah, I, I wanted it, you know, like like yours, you know. And even my name is like written in the headstock in gold at the top, just like his name was. Oh, know? shit. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome, Ted. Yeah, yeah. And he signed and he's like, that's really cool, man. So he walks away. And he's talking to some people, signing autographs, and he looks at me holding the guitar, and he comes back over, and he's like, can I see that again? And I was like, yeah, here you go, Kirk. You know, and he's like really checking it out, and he's like noodling on it, you know. I was like, do you want to borrow it tonight, man? (laughs) He's like, I'll trade you for the mummy. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, nah, man, I got like 20 of them. I'm just like blown away by this. You know, I was like, cool, man. He's like, this is really neat. I never seen anything like this, you know. So I was, I thought that was pretty cool that he really recognized how like right along the lines it was with his original models back then. That must be definitely one of your top moments 
as far as Metallica moments goes. It just, was. Yeah. Just seeing him in awe like that. I mean, that's so cool. It was. And for him to come back to me and ask to check it out again, <laughs> I was like, oh, man, this is cool. That's a great story. What else have you seen, Ted? What are the, I mean, God, between Garage Days and that Philly show, those are huge. Yeah. How do you yeah, talk about yeah. it? <laughs> uh, I'll go back to 1991 on the Black Album Tour. Um, Philly WMMR, the radio station out there, had a contest that you had to have some kind of talent and call in and do your talent on air. And if you won, you got picked to be into the snake pit with them. Nice. And, uh, yeah. So the original uh, snake pit, the original, the first one. Yeah. 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 And, uh, uh-huh. and, um, so I remember there was a couple people on like the girl before me, she like faked an orgasm with all the members and she got in, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what a talent. Right. Right. And this is like, Dying 10 o'clock at night, my parents are going to bed, and like I got my guitar plugged in, I got the the lyrics to the Unforgiven ready to go in the cassette, you know. Yeah. <laughs> my my little gorilla amp and my you know knockoff Fender Stratocaster, and I uh, <laughs> I called in, and they're like, "What are you going to do, kid?" And I said, "I'm going to play and sing the Unforgiven." They said, "All right, go ahead, let's hear it." And I I started doing it, and Dude. playing, and singing it you know, on air, and. I got to the second verse and I started missing the words and stumbling. They're like, that's it. Or they're partying like, you won. I'm screaming. I woke up my parents, you know. And, <laughs> that's uh, awesome, man. Yeah, man. How old so, were you? Oh, God. I was probably 14, I guess. Good for you. Probably 14, yeah. And uh, I remember going into high school the next day to tell my buddy Kevin about it. I was like, you want to go to the snake pit with me, man? He's like, yeah, yeah, man. So we uh, wow. we were psyched and we went. And that was in Philly too, and went into the snake pit. They got us in there early, yeah. and um, they were like, "We're so close to everything, you know." So I remember um, all of Kirk's guitars were like lined up right next to me on the other side of the rail, and his tech was working on them. Sure. And uh, he kind of had his back turned to me, but he must have had like eyes behind his head, you know, because I like I was like I have to touch one. Like I reached <laughs> over and I. <laughs> Just drooling I, on him. Yeah, and I like grabbed the neck of one of Kirk's guitars, and he just swung the guitar around at me and like stuck it in my face and was like, "Kid, you touch another fucking thing, you're out of here." You know, <laughs> you know those poor techs back then—they were probably sick of it at that point. Oh like, god! You know? <laughs> I was like, "Yes, sir. I'll, I won't touch anything. I promise." You know, and just and just think nowadays you can go get backstage passes and go put their guitars on and play them backstage. Right, right. Yeah, the fan experience booths. Right, for like 5Gs or whatever. <laughs> 2500. Oh my god. <laughs> when you when you won those snake pit passes, Ted, did you even know what the snake pit was before then or? No, no, I I even Cuz I mean, this it. is pre-internet. It's like how the hell would you know that you're going to be in the middle of the stage in the round? Just from the DJ saying what it was. That was it. Yeah, it just sounded so cool. And uh when we got in there, and like Lars was like during the gig, like Lars was cruising around on those drum kits right by us, like kind of yeah, two drum kits. Yeah, they were cruising around, and then like all the guys were just like right in our faces. And halfway through the show, all the all the girls in the pit started screaming, and me and my friend Kevin are like like looking around, like what are they all yelling about? And like right behind us, coming up into the pit was Sebastian Bach, you know. <laughs> <laughs> No, and it was during Seek and Destroy, and that's right, I remember. And he was screaming the words of Seek and Destroy. 
And he grabbed me and Kevin and he's throwing us around. He like punched us in the arms. We both had like black and blue the next day. You know? Sebastian like, was? Yeah, he was just thrashing around, just throwing us around like rag dolls, you know? <laughs> wow. Fucking Sebastian. Yeah, Skid Row was in town. I think they were playing the same same venue maybe the next day with like that uh, is so some other cool. band or something. Yeah. I know was... Lars and Sebastian are really good friends. Are they? That's cool. Man. All I can ever think about with Skid Row is just what could have been had Sebastian just stayed in the band and right. sucked it up. Right. Exactly, right? He had to go and do a solo career and then go be on Trailer Park Boys and play with Model Train. <laughs> That's right. He was on Trailer Park. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, he, he was, did, uh, he was uh, the Model Train guy on Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> The fuck going on? Sebastian, please, no swearing. Hey, who here loves trains? I'll get you inside. What's up, dude? Hey, how's it going? How long am I gonna do this? Hour, hour and a half tops. That's Don't all worry I'm about giving it. you. And then we're out. good. You better get me some fucking. Herb, I'll get you dude. some fucking weed. Don't I always fuck you up? Yes. That dude can sing. That's for sure. Oh yeah. I ain't no doubt about that. He hasn't lost that touch yet. Definitely. Jeff, Jeff, check this out. I pulled up the. Uh, the parking lot gig that Ted was at in 97. Ready for this? Yeah. Helpless. They opened with. All right. <laughs> Helpless, four horse, wolf and man, thing that should not be, fuel, memory, king, bleeding me, no remorse, evil, stone cold, the weight, puppets, and closed out with damage ink. What the hell? Awesome. All in a parking lot on a cold afternoon wasn't it it was yep it was fun free show open with helpless and close with damage i would love (laughs) to open with helpless that's so fucking cool (laughs) yeah that's a great one um and getting back to that snake pit experience too um at the end of it um jason newstead walked over to us and and he took his wristbands off and gave them to us and then lars came over and gave us our sticks and uh, Kirk gave us a pick, and then James walked over to us, and he gave us the finger. <laughs> was Classic. Great. It was great. We were laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, drumsticks from that area. You got the old regal tip Lars Ulrich with the green the tape green. on them. Mm-hmm. That's right. The classic green uh, tennis grip tape he was using back then. Yeah, still have them somewhere. <laughs> Dude, that is so cool. Yeah, yeah. Out of out of your twenty five shows, Ted, what was your favorite? Um, I gotta say the most recent one. Um, we saw them. Uh, well, we saw them at um, T Mobile Arena on the last run for Hardwired. But the I, summer... I was there. Oh, were you? Oh, cool. Yeah, that great was a show. Great show. And Ray Burton was there. Remember? Yes, he was. Yeah, that was cool. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Yep. Um, but the show before that, we were in uh, San Diego at Peco Park. I was there as well. Oh, you were there too? <laughs> that yes. was a great one, man. Wow, small world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we go to the good ones. Exactly. And uh, um, we're friends with um, Mike Gillies, who was uh, their uh, mixer um, for Metallica from the Black Album to Well, Hardwired. Gillies lives in Vegas. He does, yeah. Yeah, that's how we got to know him. And so um, he was working for them at the time, and um, his girlfriend was in touch with my girlfriend, and we were all hanging out down there. And then 
she surprised us, uh, Mike and uh, Shaney, and surprised us with snake pit passes for Peco Park. And we're like, what? I get to do this again? You know? Um, So, yeah, very thankful to them. My girlfriend surprised me. That was like a birthday trip. So that was awesome. And um, Very cool. Yeah, we saw the show. And it was a great, great opening lineup with Gojira and and events, you know? Um, And then being in the snake pit again, like that close and just that kind of production. And, man, just brought back the memories of when I was a kid and, you know, just having so much fun and being that close to them again. And and we were right next to uh, James's uh, sister was in the crowd, too. So he was coming over to his sister a lot and waving to her. And we were like right there, you know. So I got to say that's going to be my favorite gig. Yeah. That's amazing. You and I have never met in person, but we've been in the snake pit together in San Diego. You were there too. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. And uh, uh, Brian Slagle was in there as well. Oh, was he? Oh, that's cool, yep. man. I've never met Brian. I always see him at the Vegas Golden Knight, Knights games, but I uh, have not run into him yet. What were you guys' favorite shows? Um, you remember the uh, Through the Never movie in Edmonton and Vancouver where they filmed that? Yep. I was at all four of those filming nights. Nice. That production when, looked amazing. Yeah, I was going to say it wasn't it wasn't maybe the best performance, but production wise, it was something I'll probably never see again in an arena. That was amazing. Cool. Those were up there. Um, the stadium shows with the Snake Pit. I mean, like you just said, you can't beat that with that kind of production. Oh yeah. And then I just saw. Um, well, it's coming up on over a year now. I saw both S and M two shows. Nice. That, that must was, have been amazing. That was fun, Ted. That was that was tough to beat. Right, I bet. Unfortunately, my my shows aren't as amazing as Shane's. But my favorite time seeing Metallica probably still has to be the first time I saw him, just because of the significance of being young and right. seeing that type of show, and the fact that they still allowed full on like pyro in you know arenas at that time, and just nice. seeing seeing that uh, type of band perform i mean as a little kid you don't you know you don't know how to comprehend that and it's just it was amazing so yeah and that was oh four era so same anger era nice yeah that's the run where i met them at the meet and greet very cool looking back to the the ones that i i wish i would have seen more of were uh the uh poor tour and me the load stuff yeah, I, I saw the shows. I mean, they played Philly, and they would always do back-to-back nights. So I remember, like, standing out to yeah. get into the, the old Spectrum Arena back then. I did did see them, but I don't remember. The, uh, the, the cunning stunt stage in uh, that era. I only oh, saw a couple yeah. on that run. I wish when I would, wish I would have seen more. Yeah. The destruction scene stage. Uh-huh. And, and I like that they walked out with no lights, with all the lights on. Yes. And, and they walked out, and then they kicked into it then the lights all went down that was cool and then seeing all the things fall around them and the guy burning up in flames yeah that was cool yeah i saw two shows i was in high school during that time i wish i could have seen a lot more because looking back on it boy that was a badass stage for an arena to unplug that somebody find that cocksucker (laughs) (laughs) so many memories I just rewatched them on the Grammys with Lady Gaga recently. I don't know why it showed up on my YouTube, but the rehearsals showed up and then the pre-show test run of it and everything was going so well. And then, you know, <laughs> until that one cable wasn't plugged in. Yeah. 
they piped in his vocals though. Like I don't think. Yeah, can, they did. Yeah, you can like, but I saw it live on TV, and I remember like, oh shit, there's no. Mic. I did too. Him, like thought, kick over the mic stand, you know. I think he kicked the mic stand over and threw his guitar hard when it was all over. That's right, he did. Yeah, and Lars. Oh, Lars was talking on like a late show with uh, uh, a British late show host. I can't think of his name. Is it James Corden? Maybe. He was That's on, him. Yep. He was on with James, and he was like. And all my years with James, I've never seen him that angry backstage. <laughs> <laughs> that he had was, to be bad. He was pissed. He said it was a rough ten minutes back there. You know. <laughs> oh, that had to be bad. Yeah. Yeah. When you spend thirty-five years with someone and that's the top angry moment, that had to be quite the sight. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ted, we've had fun, man. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, guys. It's been a blast. Yes, thank you very much. We appreciate yeah. it. Love talking about Metallica. Love to meet you guys when you're in Vegas next time. Let me know. We'll be out there, man. I, I might let you know in a couple of weeks if I got some downtime, Ted. That sounds good. If, if the Antique Mall of America is closed, I'm calling you, man. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> we can uh, walk around outside because you don't want to go inside anywhere yet. I think there the bar, you go. I think the bars are open, but uh, I don't know, man. Is it, some, is, it, is it somewhat opening up or still pretty restricted? I think it's still pretty restricted, but they did open the new Circa Resort downtown, which is like one of the first casino hotels that's been open downtown in like over a decade. Okay. And okay. there was that was last night, and people were lined up for that. I got a buddy, Mark, that's bartending over there, and uh, he said it's it's awesome. They got the longest bar in Vegas now, or in Nevada, I think they're saying. Wow. And uh, some pretty cool pools for next summer, but. Yeah, man. Very honestly, cool. I have not been out anywhere in like seven months. It's been crazy. So, well, maybe we can go cause some trouble together and uh, grab a bite. That sounds good. Let's be in touch. And uh, thanks again for chatting all things Metallica. Yeah, have a good one, Ted. You bet. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. We'll see you soon, man. You too. Take care, guys.
Don't you 